Welcome in, everyone, again to another episode of the Process Podcast. I am your host, Charlie Witkowski, and this week I am joined, as always, by my best friend and co-host, Nick Veronica. Nick and I break down everything that's gone on the last couple of weeks. We know we've been off. We had a little bit of catching up to do. Talk a little bit of the Kansas City game. Talk about the Tennessee game. Talk about the bye week. And, of course, talk about the Buffalo Bills' upcoming uh, game against the Miami Dolphins this week on Halloween Sunday. Uh, we also talk a little bit of Major League Baseball World Series, where my Atlanta Braves look to defeat the Houston Astros to bring home a World Series title. Talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about Sabres. Uh, but most importantly, um, we want to break down everything that we've missed the last few weeks with the Bills, the exciting, the not-so-exciting, the sad, the uh, happy, all the emotions that we've had over the last few weeks with this team. Uh, and hope for a big win on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we appreciate our sponsor. Most importantly, Nick, what's up, my man? Charlie, you know what I was thinking this weekend? I remember days where I would look forward to the bye week because it was like, you know what? The Bills can't let us down today. Mm-hmm. And that, now that the team's good, it's like, Hey, you know, you, you know, you miss your enjoyment. You miss Buffalo sticking it to somebody for a change. You know, it's it's a different kind of feeling. It's it's you know, I will say after the game against Tennessee, I was kind of ready for the bye week. Mm, I felt like they true. definitely needed some kind of bye week. Uh, you know, come back, get Milano back 100, percent get healthy. Uh, you know, rest the bodies up. I saw a few guys were on vacation down in Florida. Christian Wade, obviously, I know he doesn't play. Uh, got married, so I'm sure there were, there were yeah. a few guys at the wedding. Jesse Pagula got married. The, the bi week wedding that's a, that's a clutch move right there. Yeah, bi week wedding, good time of year for it, too, depending on where you're getting married. But you know, yeah, late October, early November is a great time of year, unless you're in Buffalo because it looks like you guys got snow coming in next week. Listen, you are speaking like a true southerner, okay? Late October <laughs> sounds like mm, getting kind of cold, all right? If you're living in Florida or South Carolina or somewhere like that, you're like. Oh yeah, you know the heat's finally starting to break. I mean, no, okay, go go away. Yeah, you know it's well. The other morning I got up to go get coffee in the morning. It was like fifty-two, and I'm like, oh, it's chilly out. I had, throw a sweater, yeah. I had to throw a sweater on, and I'm like, yeah, oh, fifty-two okay. throwing a sweater, sweater. Yeah, you know, but I was like, I threw the heated seat on, like I was good to go. You have a heated but, seat, dude. I have a heated seat, and it is, gets very warm very quick. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. It was great. You can't. I live in I live in hot Atlanta, and I need a heated seat because sometimes yes. sometimes the temperature starts with a four. <laughs> Listen, I wasn't referring to. Uh, first of all, don't refer to Atlanta as hot Atlanta. We don't do that here. Uh, that, that, that that's like a thing that proves you're you're a tourist. That's a northerner thing. That's what the northern folk do. Hot Atlanta. Um, and we do have some days that we're in the 20s and 30s. We we were down in the teens a few mornings last year. Okay. Okay. You know, but it does get up to like 60 as the day goes on, so it warms up pretty quick. But anyway, we're all talking bye week stuff. I know bye week. We were on a couple on a bye week the last couple of weeks. Apologies to everyone. Uh, Nick was on vacation enjoying the beautiful fall weather up in Vermont, and yeah, Montreal uh, was beautiful. Montreal, Go to Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, you're not a Canadians fan now, though, right? No. But, yeah, man, seriously, beautiful city. It was great. I've heard it's great. I've also heard that they don't like Americans there. 
Well, they speak French there. So as long as you like pretend to also speak French a little bit and humor them, they seem to be a little bit nicer. So like everywhere you're walking in and you have to wear a mask and you have to show your vaccine passport to like dine in at any restaurant. So everywhere you go, you go, it's just like, oh, bonjour. How are you today? And then like, they're like, oh, okay. Like he said, bonjour, but he's like, okay, like kind of let it go. So it works. As out. long as you're not taking your French lessons from Joey on friends, you're fine. No, the uh, the only guy we we had a full the only guy we spoke to who didn't speak English was like a homeless guy, and I had on uh, my shirt from NBC. It said "Football Night in America," and uh, and he said "Football uh, <laughs> Touchdown." I'm like, <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> yes, that's what I would. Yes, go Bills. Should have, to, should have taught him the the shout song while you were there. By the way, I don't want to you know publicly sell anyone here. So we stopped in Ottawa on the way back, and we were trying to find the football game. Okay, so we found the Bills Packers bar in Ottawa. There was one other person there in a Bills jersey, and the bar said before the game they were out of wings. All right, it's not like you were mobbed. There was nobody there, and you were out of wings before the game even started. In, also, in the bar's defense, they probably ran out of wings on Sunday for the Sunday games. Okay, but you're the Bills bar. Man, it's Canada. It's not Buffalo. Like I don't. I know mean, I it. mean. So then, then they said they were out of something else, and they said, and we got one burger left in the whole restaurant. Is there like a meat and poultry shortage up in? I don't know. The poutine sucked there too. So if you're going really? to Ottawa, why, go somewhere else in Ottawa. <laughs> Okay, I will not don't, say the don't place's go to name because I don't the want. Bills Bankers Bar in. Okay, although then. I will say, all right, so Ottawa like reminds me a little bit of Buffalo, where it's like it's, well, Ottawa's the capital city, so all the like the beautiful government buildings are there, but it reminds me of Buffalo in the sense that, you know, after after hours, like the downtown like really kind of clears out. I think so. Mm-hmm. Maybe the fact that it's you know it's a work and school night and it's late and it's a Monday and it's cold and people aren't really in downtown. Maybe that played into it. You know, maybe they have a better crowd there on Sundays, but I mean, one guy in a Bills jersey when we walked in. So I wonder if it was on like cable TV though, like obviously what it is here in the states. Because I know being out of that's true, it was on TSN. Yeah, the national games I'd always just watch at home. Like I'm not gonna go spend my money at the bar when I can drink my own beer. You know what I mean, and eat my own food that I bought. You know, Um, that that is a good point. That is so maybe maybe that's why maybe that one guy just doesn't have cable. Yeah, it's probably hard for them to get most games. They need the bar for the Bills. Yeah, that's a good point. So something to consider. I, I know the feeling of uh, – I know the Bills back this bar I used to go to used to hate when the Bills were on a bye week or have a primetime uh, game on national TV because nobody would show up. Yeah, but, that makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, Nick, let's talk some Buffalo Bills. Um, they showed up for the most part Monday night, unlike your uh, Bills backers up in – in Ottawa, the Bills did show up. The only thing that didn't seem to show up was Josh Allen's good pair of shoes there at the end. Oh, all right. Let's just let's we'll skip right to the end here. I liked the call, even you know going for it. I even liked the QB sneak. Josh Allen is a good QB sneaker. Just the execution was not there. It looked like uh, Tennessee definitely knew what was coming. Like that was that was my impression. Okay, the line shifted mm-hmm. before they're they're clogging it up. And it kind of looked like 
Josh Allen had made up his mind pre-snap where he was going to try to get to the left because he didn't really read the line. He didn't read the play. He just kind of went for it. And if, you know, this is very easy to say from, from the couch or whatever, if he would have seen the lineman get their push, he would have had space to the right, but he was already going left. Deion Dawkins got destroyed. He slipped. It was over. It was over very quickly. It was like, you know, if you were a receiver on that play, you're probably, you know, ball gets snapped and you're like, oh, it's over already. Like I didn't even block my guy. Like I had not, I had no impact on this play. It was over very quickly. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm same thing. I, right. I'm watching it and I'm like, Oh, okay. They're going to QB sneak. And I think everybody knew there was going to be a sneak there. I thought when Josh Allen came out of shock and I'm like, okay, this could be something good. The RPO seemed to be hitting for the most part throughout the night. Um, you know, they don't seem to run, run the RPOs too smoothly anymore. Like what they were doing of seasons past. Um, but they definitely had it, had it working pretty well uh, the other night against Tennessee. The other thing was too, and, and I'm with you, right? Nick, I don't hate the call. I don't hate going for it. I just no. hated the play no, that they chose. You got, you need one yard and you win the game, like go you, for the win, put the ball in your best player's hands, put the ball in your best player's hands. And that's number 17, Joshua Allen. I have no problem with it. However, I would have liked to see them do something out of shotgun because I felt like I, and I still feel this way, even, even when it's, you know, second quarter at the 50 yard line, Josh Allen sees the field so much better out of the shotgun formation. Anyway, allow him to see the field, allow him to find guys open. The big issue with this team though, no matter what, I don't care where they are at the, you know, from inside the 20, they are just absolutely terrible. And it showed. I mean, they could have gotten in the end zone two or three times there. Um, I thought that the Josh Allen scramble play, yes, he had some guys open there in the end zone, but it also looked like they came open once Josh Allen was past that line of scrimmage. Um, but that Josh Allen dive play, Nick, I want to see what your thoughts are. You're talking about the third down? The third down. Sean McDermott said that the refs came up to him after the game and said that upstairs called down and said that it wasn't a first down. I understand, and it, it wasn't. Going back and looking at the replay, it did not look like a first down to me. So Incredible you know. camera angle by ESPN. We do have to say. Correct. Correct. I, I definitely was not a first down. However, how is that not at least looked at? How is it just called down from upstairs and said, oh, no, that's not a first down? How does that not get looked at yeah. by the refs at some point? Uh, unless the, the you know the guy upstairs is already watching the replay, trying to speed up the, the replay process maybe, and they – I don't know. I mean, the only way that makes sense is if someone basically has already looked at that and just said, nope, it wasn't there, you know, and, and the referees must trust that. But, you know, it looked it looked like in real time that he definitely got it. And then the first replay was like, yeah, it's pretty close. Why don't we take a look? And then it wasn't until they showed like that true sideline shot with the with the bar up. And you're like, wow, he's really like, you know, inches short. It was definitely close. I mean, it was it was a heartbreaker at, at the end there. And it, you know, but if I remember correctly, this team also had quite a heartbreaker uh, going into the bye week last year. And uh, they didn't lose a game until the AFC championship game. This is true. So uh, schedule looks a little bit easier at this point. Um, I don't think they play a team with a winning record right now until they play new Orleans on Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, and if they lose on the Monday night game, we're we're recording on Monday here, they will be five hundred, and you'll have to keep going. Crazy, crazy. Um, my other thing though, Nick, that I thought was interesting that I mean, obviously you have to mention. It wasn't Josh Allen in the offense that lost them this game. Like what I felt like it was last year against Tennessee. Right. I thought the offense played well. Obviously, again, except inside the red zone. I don't know how much of that you can put on Josh Allen, how much that is on the play call inside the red zone, uh, whatever it might be. But the Buffalo Bills defense, for being the best defense in the league, obviously they could not stop the run. They could not stop uh, Derrick Henry. They held Tannehill to, you know, obviously a pretty moderate numbers. But once they found out that Levi Wallace couldn't cover A.J. Brown, that middle of the field was wide open constantly. And that's something that we haven't seen much from this defense. Now, obviously, it's been a few weeks since they played a very good quarterback. Um, I mean, and I don't want to say Tannehill's a very good quarterback, but obviously Tannehill's better than some of the backups that they played the last few weeks. But – not Is there an issue with leave? Do, do what's that? Not a high bar. Yeah, exactly. Not a high bar to 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 uh, jump over. But look, my question to you is: Is this defense not as good as we thought they were, or did this defense just have a bad game? Because if you watch, go back and watch replays. Every time there was a play action pass, the linebackers jumped down real quick. And that started to leave that middle of the field wide open. Everyone started jumping down for that um, play action pass. And they bid on every play action pass that came their way. So that to me, I thought that was more of a facet of trying to cheat against Derrick Henry and trying to stop that run. Uh, I agree with you. The defense was, was very disappointing, especially they had such a good first quarter. Henry had like eight yards. Tannehill had a, you know the interception. I mean, literally, Tennessee's drives in this game, first quarter, punt, punt, interception, great start. And the rest of the game, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, halftime, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. That, like, the Bills defense had no stops after the first quarter. So mm-hmm. in my head, I was, too, I was thinking, on one hand, I do like the Bills much better than the Titans. Like, if they were to go to overtime, I would expect that the Bills would, would be better. And maybe you do kick the field goal there. On the other hand, Defense hasn't been able to stop somebody in 45 minutes. Every time Tennessee had the ball, they scored. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that's got to play into it a little bit, too. And, I mean, I, mean, I was still saying you're on the road, go in the game. That's got to be a factor why you're not playing for overtime is the defense can't stop anybody. So, something that I feel like um, – I don't have the numbers from here, but just it feels like the Bills, when they are playing against a team that is committed to running, they have a little bit of trouble – actually being stopped at the point of attack they are mm-hmm. Sh- uh, sean mcdermott can scheme up the back end he's very good at coverage he's got the guys they have a great safety tandem when it's really coming time to stop teams that want to run the ball they are having a little bit of trouble there and i think that has been opening up some other issues yes i i would definitely agree with that um you know obviously not a great running game coming up this week against miami uh, although they got the running game going last week against a bad Atlanta team, but you know, not much to worry about. Who knows who we're going to see at quarterback in Miami? Um, you know, I'm assuming it's going to be two, unless some crazy trade happens in the next couple of days. 
Maybe it's Deshaun Watson at that no, point. No, the, they can't put Deshaun Watson into the lineup that fast. It's Miami, man. They're desperate to win right now, and I think... Uh, but why? Their team is not built to win right now. Because I think that... Uh, GM is trying to save his job, you're saying? I think both are. The GM... I, I had this conversation with some Dolphins fans, and I think the head coach's job is is kind of on the line here. Uh, he, he had He's in his third year in Miami, Flores is. And he had a losing record the first year. Last year, they came out and won 10 games, mostly because their defense played so good. This year, their defense isn't playing good at all. And their defense or their, their offense has been absolutely terrible. I, I mean, at what point are you going to look at this and say that that's on the GM? I mean, you know, that, but that's a whole discussion for another time. The Buffalo Bills off, the Buffalo Bills defense needs to figure out how to make stops against good running backs. Because what's going to happen this year from the playoffs is going to be a Cleveland team that to either play around one, maybe a Baltimore team that to play around one. Hell, even if you got to play Cincinnati at some point, Great if you point. don't get that bye, because right now that bye belongs to Cincinnati. Thought words I never thought I'd say this year. <laughs> that first round bye right now belongs to Cincinnati. Those are three teams with very good running backs that you got to worry about. And one thing that I said early on in the year, Nick, if you remember. I think it was on our Sabres preview show, or Bill, or sorry, our Bills preview show. Um, talking about first place teams, I was talking about the Buffalo Sabres there for a second. Um, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills preview show. I said the one team that kind of worried me this year was Tennessee. Tennessee's been good the last few years, and they've been good this year. However, their quarterback was sacked 24 times already this season going into that Monday night game against Buffalo. You know how many times Ryan Tannehill was sacked all of last season? 20. He's got more already this season? Already this season than what he had all of last season. Wow. And Buffalo couldn't even get one sack on Ryan Tannehill. That's that's a problem. I mean, on top of the fact that you're um, not playing two of your better young defensive ends for whatever reason, you know, I don't understand the, the thought process with that, but the Bills defense needs to come out this week against Miami and get back to what they were doing so good, and that's forcing turnovers, getting the ball back, forcing teams to punt, um, you know, and letting your offense be on the field as much as possible. Because I'll tell you what, right now, outside of Cincinnati, no one's running away with the AFC. It's definitely not not Kansas City. They look bad. They're in trouble. They're in trouble. Patrick Mahomes, you want to talk about someone regressing. Everyone thought that Josh Allen was going to be the one that came in and regressed. Patrick Mahomes is the one that has taken a huge step back. Huge step uh, back. I mean, with Mahomes, it seems like he's always been, been a little bit a little bit of a risk taker, you know, a little bit of Brett Favre in him. And in his career, he's always gotten, he's always gotten away with it. And this year, you know, the bounces are seeming to find defender's hands you know the, the mm-hmm. interceptions are sticking instead of getting dropped or whatever you know whatever it is it's he still seems like he's kind of playing the same way he's just not getting the breaks this year the funny thing to me is that the throws that he's making now are throws that josh allen made year one and halfway through year two that people were like oh josh allen's a terrible quarterback josh allen's never going to be any good in this league but Patrick Mahomes, the difference was Patrick Mahomes always made these throws he just was somehow able to find his guys and not the other team. Whereas this year, he's finding that other team way too often. And people want to put it on coaching, and it's not on coaching. It's not on Andy Reid 
and the enemy over there. It's straight up on Patrick Mahomes being doing what Patrick Mahomes wants to do and just not excelling at, at, at doing that. Yeah. Um, they have a late buy too. I was thinking, you know what? Maybe if they get time to pause, they can reset. Right now they're three and four. They got the Giants. They should be able to get, beat the Giants. And then they got Packers, Raiders, Cowboys. If they don't really figure it out, they might go into the bye week in a big, big hole. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough uh, tough couple of weeks coming up. And the Raiders look good, man. I mean, the Chargers are obviously, you know, looking good in that. Uh, uh, what are they in the AFC West? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're looking good in that AFC West. The, the two, I want to say California teams, but the Raiders aren't in California anymore. But – uh, you know, Vegas and, and, and LA look like two teams that, you know, look like they could be playoff teams right now. And Kansas city is that one team that does not look like they could be a playoff team right now. Crazy how that goes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Nick, as we keep talking about football, um, I kind of wanted to ask you going in, obviously we had the bye week this week, so there was no football. Everyone was a little down in the dumps, a little bit depressed, but hey, had the Sabres to uh, to get us through because they're looking damn good. But uh, don't know why they're looking damn good, but I'm 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 okay with it. Um, but I want to ask you on a football related question: What are your three questions that you have going into the rest of the season? All right, uh, talking NFL wide or Bills wide? Uh, Bills wide. All right, Charlie, first question for you is when do we see Stefan Diggs look like all pro Stefan Diggs? Right now he's been a good receiver. He's shown he can make very difficult plays. He's shown flashes of talent. He showed that he's dangerous. He hasn't looked like an all pro. When do you think we start seeing this guy looking, looking amazing? He's still leading the team in yards, still leading the team in receptions, but he's just not, I don't know, something's missing, right? You know, I was thinking about that the other day watching the Tennessee game. I'm not too worried about Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs has looked um, good. You know, he's been very good in the short yardage situations that they get in the ball, you know, within one to two yards. And he does a very good job of getting himself open, getting himself, um, uh, you know, past the sticks, picking up the first down in short yardage situations. Um and being very aggressive. He's not putting up the touchdowns like what he put up last year. But I think a lot of that is because teams are, I don't want to necessarily say double covering him, but they're leaving a, a, a guy over the top on him that's allowing a um, Gabe Davis, a Dawson Knox even. Yeah, I, I think the emergence of Dawson Knox has even allowed uh, Buffalo to take some pressure off of Stephon Diggs. Hmm. On top of it, Emmanuel Sanders has had a great year so far for Buffalo. Um, and he's looked very good with the ball in his hands as well. So much so that Gabe Davis isn't seeing the field too much, but when he does, he's, he seems to be making a decent impact. Um, but that that's what happens when you have three good receivers and right now a pretty good tight end that could catch the ball uh, and, and put the ball in the end zone. You got to move that ball around. I mean, look at uh, Cole Beasley even. Up until the Tennessee game, how quiet was Cole Beasley all year? Very quiet. He was hardly used the week before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think we'll see it. I think he'll have a game or two. I think it'll be, you know, the Jacksonville game. 
uh, even the Miami game, you know, he always seems to like playing against Miami because, uh, you know, they like to talk their talk. Uh, the Jets game, I think, will be a game where you really see him go off. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see him save some of that excitement for Thanksgiving Day and see him get that turkey leg. <laughs> All right. All right. That's my first question. What do you got? Uh, so how about let's talk about that defense, man. I think that's something that definitely needs to be touched on. Um, does the defense bounce back to normal? I mean, do, do we see this defense be, I guess it's going to be more of a statement than a question, but you can, I want to hear your response to what I'm saying. Um, do we see this defense bounce back to what they were before the Tennessee game or you know, does this defense find a way to fix everything that went wrong against Tennessee and continue to be the number one defense in football? Mm-hmm. And we don't have to worry about those things like a, 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 a running attack like Tennessee has going forward for the year and or in playoffs. All right. So I'm going to give you kind of a weird answer here. I, I do think, yes, the defense will rebound and be one of the best statistical teams in the NFL. But I do have to say, look who the Bills have on the schedule. They have an absolute cake schedule the rest of the way, okay? They play Miami, Jacksonville, Jets, Colts are their next four games, okay? If the Bills defense can't dominate those four, I don't, I don't even know what, you know what, what this podcast is going to sound like. The Bills have already, you know, when they, when they were number one, it was because they played Miami, Washington, Houston, and Pittsburgh. Like really bad offenses, who had to go? So the Bills are a good defense, and they've they've shown that the, they can play well. And when you pair that with playing horrible teams, that's how you get to be number one. And the Bills have such an easy schedule this year. The Bills we might be getting into hot take here. The Bills really don't have an excuse for not being the number one seed in the AFC, especially with Kansas City as down as they are. So yes, I say the Bills defense will rebound. Will it be – do you actually trust it? We might not know for, like, a whole month still. They play the Saints on Thanksgiving, November 25th, which is one month from when we're recording. Uh, and then they play Tampa on December 12th. Those are, like, the next offenses that are scary at all. Miami, not really. This, honestly, this week, I almost hope Tua looks surprisingly good in a loss so that Miami's like, maybe we should stick with them some more. Because he's 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 not good, but maybe maybe he flashes something that they love. I don't know. Jacksonville, nah. Jets, definitely not. Especially if Zach Wilson's out for that game, he's injured out two to four weeks. Colts, did you watch the Colts last night, Charlie? They looked lousy. They did. They did, and they, and they won, and they still look lousy. Yes, I mean San Francisco is also not the greatest, but yes, they 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 both look pretty lousy. Yeah, the Saints, all right, the Saints are at least interesting on offense. They have weapons. Michael Thomas, maybe he'll be back by then. They have Kamara. They have James Winston can sling it when he chooses to. He'll be dangerous to himself a lot of time, but mm-hmm. he'll sling it at least. I mean, I mean that, that game's a month away. Then they play New England, and then they got Tampa. December 12th against Tampa. I think I tweeted that during the last one of the, the games against Kansas City maybe. Like that's the really the next big test for the Bills. And then with the NFL, you know it's a long season, weird stuff happens. But you know, you should beat the bad teams. Are you gonna trip up one day against 
some, some you know the Colts may I don't know maybe is it going to be ugly maybe the the NFL is such a week to week league the real test is how do you play against the good teams and we're really not going to see the Bills be tested for at least a month. You know, and I, it's funny you say that because I think about um, I think about the Colts and I think about uh, you know their running backs. I'll be curious to see what happens with Hines. I think Hines is a a good running back. Um, they also got Taylor back there. He's having a good year. Out, he is having a good year. I mean, but that's another running back that I look at for Buffalo who could possibly give Buffalo some trouble. Mm. Um, you know this? I you love know. this part of the podcast. Charles. Like I say these things, and you kind of tie my own points together for me. Something I'm like that is a good. I should I should have gotten there myself, but you got there for me. So thanks. It's like we have one brain. I'm glad that we have two different ones because I didn't get that's- there. That's okay. I got I got that for you. But you know, I that that's the one thing I worry about. I, I worry about you look at the, the the schedule. Sure, you know, they don't have anything, you know, really threatening on the schedule. I'm not worried about Miami. Um, although I will say this because it has to be said, just in case something happens against Miami, as I say every single year, I always feel like teams in your own division are always a totally different game and are a total wild card. No matter how good or bad they are, they're the, the team you play yeah, twice a year. They've seen you already, yeah. And they've seen you already, and they just they they know you, they they know the, what you the, can do. The last game was forty five to nothing. Correct. I mean, again, I'm not too worried about Miami. Thirty five nothing. I'm sorry, thirty five nothing. Miami just lost to a bad Jaguars team. They just lost to a bad Atlanta team. I'm not worried about Miami. Um, not really worried about Jacksonville. Uh, although you want to talk about a good running back, they have no, nothing else really exciting on that team. I'm not worried about Trevor Lawrence right now. Maybe in a couple years. But, you know, they do have a good uh, running back there in, in Jacksonville and Robinson. And obviously not worried about the Jets. We'll probably see Joe Flacco that game, it sounds like, unless they, they bring Taylor back pretty early. I'm sorry, Wilson back pretty early. Um, but, again, looking at the schedule, there's no running back down here that scare me till Indy. Yeah. But then you have Indianapolis. You have New Orleans, who has a good running game. Tampa, who has a good running game. Carolina, if he's healthy, you have to worry about – um McCaffrey. Chris McCaffrey. Um or even Chubba you know, Hubbard. What is Chubba name? Hubbard too. I mean you, both of them. Chubba Hubbard kind of saved part of my fantasy teams this year because he <laughs> hasn't been terrible. You know, he had yeah. one bad game, but he's he's definitely bounced back. I mean, that that's another guy you gotta worry about. Whoever their quarterback yeah. is, you know, so, might make a difference. You mentioned Jacksonville, like James Robinson is a very underrated running back. That man is effective. Listen, he doesn't, he doesn't have the name recognition. Send them Zach Moss or uh, Devin Singletary, and I'll take Robinson to Buffalo any day of the week. All right. Well, actually, I was thinking Jacksonville's out of it. They should probably be looking to trade James Robinson at the deadline. They drafted Travis Etienne. He's out for this year, but he'll be back next year. Mm-hmm. Why not try to get something for James Robinson? Hey, I'll, I'm will i okay with that. Uh, if I'm Buffalo, I'd, I'd be definitely kicking the tires. Because there seems to be an issue again this year with your running game, which is going to be my next question to you, Nick. We're talking all these running backs and every other team. How about the Buffalo Bills running game? Mm-hmm. When are we finally going to see that game, that that statement game by the running backs? I felt like we've seen that statement game by Josh Allen already this year. Mm-hmm. We've seen a few statement games by this Buffalo Bills defense, but we haven't really seen any statement game from uh, Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. And really, neither one of those guys – seem to be making me get excited about either one of them holding the ball. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Charlie, you just hit uh, the daily double here. This is time for your trivia question. Rank the Bills' top three rushers this season in order. You know, we did this last year, and I said Josh Allen because I felt like Josh Allen ran the ball all the time. So I'm not going to be fooled this time. Uh, I'll probably say Devin Singletary, Josh Allen, Zach Moss. Are you, are you sure you don't, you're not going to get fooled again? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to say I'm going to say that's <laughs> what the final answer. answer. You are correct. Uh, Singletary, 311 yards. Allen, 214. Moss, 208. Ooh, it's closer at the end. Yeah, it is close. I am, um, you know, all off season, everybody just talking about Devin Singletary's putting in the work, added muscles, working out, getting in shape, getting in better shape. And you always hear stuff like that. And it's like every year at spring training and baseball, somebody's in the greatest shape of their life. And it's, you know, it's like, you just kind of laugh at it. And it's like, you know, these NFL guys are, they're always, you know, how much better shape can they get in? So they hear that Singletary was training. I mean, I was happy for him. You know, he looks leaner, looks faster. That's great. Uh, we, we are kind of seeing that this year and it's been a little disappointing. Maybe Zach Moss has not really taken the reins like we kind of wished he would and also your boy matt breed has been uh a healthy healthy scratch a lot of time he's he's not quite reggie bush territory here he's got four yards this season he also hasn't played i mean i mean again you go back to the healthy scratch i don't know why why carry four running backs i understand why they carry uh what's his name there that never plays only special teams that that's why I can't remember his name. Um, Taiwan Jones. I understand why they carry Taiwan Jones, obviously for special teams, but why carry Matt Breed at this point? If you're not going to play him and not give him any playing time, he's your fastest, fastest running back. And I feel like yeah. maybe that's one thing that these neither of these two running backs have is any kind of speed. Yeah, I mean, running back is like the most injured position in sports, probably. So it helps that they have one. I mean, I'm thinking back to uh, the playoff game when the Bills ended the drought and they had McCoy was hurt. And who was the backup at that point? Was that uh, Gillisley, maybe? He was hurt. No, I think Gillisley was gone at that point. Uh, I got to look this up because who was the guy like from the practice squad that was like about to start the game and then McCoy ended up going? Do you remember that story? That was the the playoff game. Yeah, the like McCoy and the backup were both injured. I gotta look this up now because it's gonna bug me. He didn't end up playing, I think, but it was like that was like a big storyline leading up to that to that Jaguars game was that uh, they might have to go with a different running back because they're both hurt. Might have been better off um, for Buffalo say, because obviously, you know, nothing could really get going that game. Uh, although LaShawn McCoy did have 19 carries for 75 yards in that game. Uh, and the fact that Blake Bortles was the leading rusher for Jacksonville just sums up that entire game, I think, for everybody. Blake Bortles had oh my gosh. 88 rushing yards that game. Unbelievable. Was that Unbelievable. the last game Blake Bortles ever won? Uh, no, because th- they went to the AFC Championship that game. That year. Oh, that's right. That was the year they should have beat the Patriots, right? They had terrible clock management. Yep, yep, yep. Sad. And then Blake Bortles never has never won a game since. Or I think or started a game since. Sad. Yeah, yeah, poor Blake Bortles. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I mean, that's Marcus, my thing. You, hold on, I just found it. Marcus Murphy, I think, was that. That's guy. right, Marcus Murphy. And he's probably out of the league at this point. 
Um, 2018 Bills. He played 11 games. He actually played 11 games. Probably on special teams a lot. And Marcus Murphy is currently in the CFL. Oh, okay. Uh, playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So okay, if you want to well. if you want to see Marcus Murphy now, uh, I think Friday nights ESPN does show CFL games. Or if you're an <laughs> ESPN Plus member, tune on in on your little computer or wherever you stream your TV and uh, watch Marcus Murphy on ESPN Plus. All right. All right, Charlie. My question. Oh, well, did, did we really get back there? Um, so, what do we think is going to happen with the running game? Honestly, I don't know. I, like the running game is clearly uh, taking a backseat to the passing game here. So, I'm I'm on team get Josh Allen cooking, and if he's got to throw 50 times the next couple of weeks to get back in the groove, like the running game is there for situational purposes or to run take advantage of light boxes. If you keep the ball in Josh's hands. 80% of the time, I'm probably cool with that. So, Yeah, but I don't want Josh Allen running the ball more than my running backs. I don't no, want Josh Allen yeah, having 80 yards less than my running backs have. This is true. This is true. You know, protect, yeah, my, protect my franchise yeah, QB. by all... good, design yeah. run bad. Exactly. That's great. Design run bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> I also do feel like, and I think this needs to be mentioned on top of it all, that just the play call recently from Brian Dable has not been very Brian Dable-esque. I thought it That's was true. obviously against Miami because they look good. It was definitely against um, uh, Washington. I thought he looked very good with the play calling. However, he did not look very good against um, Tennessee. He had some questionable calls against Kansas City even. Um, you know, I just felt like we'll, – he, 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 he's getting a little bit more conservative at times when he needs to go out and be an aggressive offensive coordinator. Hmm. I did think it was interesting. Did you hear Josh Allen's quote after the Tennessee game? He said, quarterback sneaks are not the funnest plays. That, that was, that was just interesting to me. Is there just, just the slightest amount of hesitation in there? I'm not saying it caused him to slip and not get it, but you, I mean, you want the guy who's like, give me the ball. I'm going to pummel these guys for, you know, six inches and pick up the first down. Just, yeah, just, no, just a strange not, uh, quote. I don't know. Something, something just, just stuck out weird to me about it. I did not see that. I mean, I'm sure he's not wrong by any means. Just yeah, weird, I mean, weird, he's a guy that says he likes to hit. Just, yeah, just something was weird. Interesting. That's good. Also, yeah, maybe don't uh, have your 250 million guy take some unnecessary hits. Just saying. I, I I will say this while we're talking about the running game. Um, look, if you're going to let Josh Allen run it, fine. But he needs to not get hit. If that's your play True. call, fine. He, he is okay. learning to slide. I'm very proud. Tyrod Taylor would never. No. No. <laughs> no. All right, not. Charlie. My question for you. We are, we are going out on a limb here. What will prevent the Bills uh, from fulfilling the prophecy you mentioned earlier and running the table the rest of the season after losing before the bye week, just like last year, what gets in their way of going undefeated the rest of the season? 
So I'm, I'm going to stick on the defensive side. I mean, obviously, right, any any injury to Josh Allen, I think, can, can hurt them, right? I mean, sure. A given. But outside of the given, I'm going to stick to the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to say this guy. I'm going to say any kind of injury, long-term injury to um, Tremaine Edmonds. Fair. That's a good one. Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds is having quietly having a great year. You know, obviously, he still has some work doing pass protection. But, man, his missed tackle percentage this year has been – Unbelievable. Uh, from when he started, so 2018, his rookie year, he was 13.4% missed tackle percentage, then 13.1% in 2019. Last year, he was 13.3%. Uh, this year, he is 10%, and he's only missed four tackles all season. Hmm. All right. You know, something I love about Tremaine Edmonds this year in particular is I'm getting – like a little bit of of Ray Lewis vibes here. Let, let me explain what I mean here. So not not the Ray Lewis was a beast, and he was a different type of player. And I mean the the Ravens defense was designed for him to accumulate a ton of stats. And Brian Billick actually told me that one time. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds. What I'm thinking is when you watch Ray Lewis highlights, you think about a camera that it's like the NFL Films version. It's like the camera's on Ray Lewis the whole time. And it's Ray Lewis going to hit a guy and he just beats the running back to the edge basically and, and just hits him for a loss. And I'm always, every time I see that thing, I'm thinking, what, nobody decided to block Ray Lewis? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And and you see it enough times and you're like, well, he's probably just got some kind of a skill for doing that. Like, like the other team is definitely aware of Ray Lewis. Okay. And he just finds a way to just, you know, knife through these guys like a hot knife through butter and just get to the plane of attack and it's amazing like he was amazing at that and this year Tremaine Edmonds I'm kind of like seeing it every once in a while he's I don't I don't I know I never played linebacker like I don't know how it works when you gotta you know f- you know filter through the blockers but there's some guys who always seem like they're they're always just getting tied up or somebody blocked them or whatever I don't know if they didn't diagnose fast enough they didn't take the right route whatever Tremaine Edmonds is beating the block to the point of attack whatever it is he is finding his way there and making plays so maybe is i mean it could be he's you know his film study he's reading the guard right he's reading the formation he knows what to expect and he's hitting his his trigger whatever he's trusting this process and just taking off and going it's working it's really nice to see yeah i mean he's looked very good all year obviously again you know i know he still has some issues in pass coverage but you know i guess Against the running game, he's looked very good. Uh, he's looked very good at the line of scrimmage as well, um, you know, and, and, and getting into the backfield. He's just looked like that first-round pick Buffalo thought he was going to be, and he's still young. I know yeah. he gets mentioned all the time, but, man, he's Listen, still young. You got to pay the man. But how – so let me ask you this. This doesn't count as my third question. I'm just going off of your question. <laughs> okay. What what do you pay him? I mean, what, five years for $90 million? Like, is that – Overpaying? I mean, I mean, listen, Sean McDermott's defense at Carolina was great because they had Luke Keekley in the middle, basically mm-hmm. quarterback and everything. I think he wants his own version of Luke Keekley. And as amazing as Keekley was, he does not have the physical gifts that Edmonds has. I I think Sean McDermott, how long is McDermott under contract for? I think he just signed a new contract this year, I think for another three years. Okay. I would be surprised if Tremaine Edmonds' contract is shorter than Sean McDermott's. I think Sean McDermott wants to make sure he's got Edmonds as long as he's here. Well, they have one more year with him next year. 
because they did pick up his uh uh, yeah, but they could the do what they did with Allen and kind of, you know, sign the the, con- the contract early, try to save some money, get him some more guaranteed money now, and hope to get a bargain mm-hmm. on him later. I could see that. Yeah, um, they did free up a little bit of cap space um, early on in in, in the season here. Um, however, uh, who is more important? I, I mean, who's more important to this defense? Is it Matt Milano? Or is it Tremaine Edmonds? I mean, Matt Milano is another guy that we talk about all the time about how good he has been and how good he is becoming. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and we've also seen Matt Milano come out of this defense and just how exposed his defense becomes. Who becomes more important at, at, at that point on the defense? Is it Matt Milano? Or do you look at, you know, the steps that uh, Tremaine Edmonds has taken and say, man, Tremaine Edmonds would be sort of, would be very missed on this, the, the, this mm-hmm. defense. Uh, listen, I love Matt Milano here, but I'm picking, if I had to pick one, I'm picking Tremaine Edmonds because you can't find guys with his size and speed. Like even you can find maybe another Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, you have to find a guy who's got it upstairs and can play and has these insane physical gifts that you just can't coach up no matter what. I mean, Milano's already signed, so he's here. Bring Edmonds along too. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with that. And, while you're at it, uh, if you need some cap space, you can cut AJ Klein. Although I will say, <laughs> I, I will say, oh, that was die hard. <laughs> I will say, AJ Klein has not been too bad this year. Okay. He's definitely seemed uh, to settle in a little bit more to the defense. Um, but Nick, my question back to you for my final question of the podcast is going to be the Bills red zone um, offense. There's yep. no surprise that if you've watched any Bills games this year, they have obviously struggled. Um, after the Tennessee game, Buffalo scored 16 touchdowns on 29 trips to the red zone this season. However, they also have more red zone opportunities than other team in the NFL. Hmm. They've only converted 55.2% of those opportunities and they are ranked among some of the worst in the league at that stat at converting inside the red zone. Yeah, I think they're twenty sixth in red zone percent. What does this team need to do to um, convert more in the red zone? All right. What I'm thinking here is you have Josh Allen, and you know that sometimes he's prone to trying to do too much. I think you almost got to utilize him and you're going to hate me for saying this and I'm going to maybe, maybe pump the brakes on it. I don't want him to be utilized as a runner, but I want to present the threat of him as a runner. So if that means more RPO, if that means more bootlegs, more rollouts, more play action roll, you know, move the pocket a little bit. He's so dangerous running to his right. He's so dangerous when he adds the threat of running because teams know that he can run. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're, I don't know. I don't know. People, sometimes people say they're getting too cute. They're too whatever in the red zone. Um, I think make them make harder decisions. Their defenders, they know that they have to respect Josh Allen. And if that means that they're going to cheat down and, and play to him and he's going to give the ball off to a running back and take it on, on the read option, if he's looking for, I mean, even even a pop pass, something quick. I mean, I think they could utilize him a little bit better. That's my first thing. My second thing is that 
just got to be more decisive. I mean, you the, the field strengths in there, you see it and you fire it. And a lot of even some of the success they have had has been, you know, the first read wasn't there. Josh did some amazing Josh Allen thing where he rolled out and extended the play and threw back across his body and happened to get a guy who got open after nine seconds of coverage. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not seeing the the, the boom, the, the quick stuff, right? It's a, even when it has worked, it's kind of broken play. So I would like to see maybe, you know, what we haven't seen a lot from the Bills. We haven't seen them go up tempo yet this year. Maybe they try to just blitz some people and be, you know, almost like like Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning could hit a slant route guaranteed against any defense, anytime. And, you know, they knew it was coming late in the game. He was throwing the slant and he was going to put it in perfect position and just hit it. And you knew it was coming and you couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. Maybe Allen needs to get out there, throw quick, linebacker. I don't know. Maybe catch him off guard. Um, they have the weapons. Dawson Knox is becoming a weapon. You still have digs. You still have everybody else. I know you're going to say they need to use Isaiah McKenzie as a gadget. Maybe they could try that too. I don't know. Um, those are my thoughts. What are you thinking? So, you know, I, I think one thing that <laughs> one thing that we need to see from this offense a little bit that I, I would be interested to see, especially down in the red zone, you talk about trying to utilize Josh Allen a little bit more. What about some option? Not, and I'm not talking about the RPO. That's about, about a pass straight option. option. Straight wing T, you know, <laughs> wing T option, man. Like you got two running backs that you put back there between Singletary and Moss. Little, you can go to either one of those guys. Hell, throw McKenzie back there as your gadget guy. Make him go to the McKenzie and go to. Mm-hmm. You Moss are exposing your quarterback to a hit if you are right, right, an right, option right, play. Right, right. Just saying. I mean, maybe you see some of that. I know we won't. I know this yeah. isn't. Uh, I mean, but listen, we, we, we always like low-key joke on the podcast. Like your RB1 is actually your quarterback. Like you could almost, you know, get away with some wildcat stuff. You know, he could be a wildcat quarterback running the option like that. But mm-hmm. we, we we are still pro limit hits on Josh Allen here. So I didn't even like my answer, which didn't involve him necessarily running. And now you are talking about sending him on an option where he would I mean, he's either hoping the defender goes for the fake, but any defender who has a shot to hit a quarterback is going to take it. So I don't, I don't know. I'm a little, I'm like, I think it, it would work great. And I just be like, oh yeah, then he would get killed on the same play. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. I think you need to let Josh Allen uh, stay in that shotgun formation. I, I agree with you. I think you run some uh, up-tempo stuff down in the red zone, but you put Josh Allen in a shotgun formation and let him scan that field and let him see what's there. If you're on the two lot, two yard line and you have Josh Allen in a shotgun formation, there's going to be someone coming off of a, a off of a receiver off of a tight end that Josh Allen needs to do a, a job of finding them quickly and completing that pass. Cause someone's going to be open, whoever it might be, you know, you have three of the best receivers, best route, best route runners in the league. You have mm-hmm. three of the best route runners in the league, and you have Dawson Knox, who is emerging as a very good pass-catching tight end, as well as a good blocking tight end, may I add. Um, hmm. You also have a, a, a running back in Devin Singletary that can catch the ball pretty well out of the backfield. You know, and that's five weapons down in the red zone for you that you need to find a way to use. I think they need to stop trying to use Zach Moss in the red zone, especially as a pass-catching running back, because he's had some issues holding on to the ball this year. We saw that in the Tennessee game, forced interception. Um you know, he did not look very good in that game whatsoever. Um, you know, but you need to find ways to uh, take advantage of, um, 
of what the defense has given you. And that's the one thing that I felt like Josh Allen and Brian Dable for that matter have not done. And they've overthought the process, no pun intended, getting down into when, when they're down in the red zone. All right. So uh, this, this may not be uh this criticism may be, maybe too harsh here. I do also think we could, or the bills red zone offense could be benefited by, some more aggressive play call and going for it more on fourth down. I think situationally, maybe it's all made sense so far. Maybe not all of them, but most of them have made sense, but there've been a ton, a ton of very, very short field goals right here. So I got a list up in front of me. Most field goals this season, less than 30 yards. Tyler Bass is number one. He's got eight field goals from 20 to 29 yards. The next highest guy is only five. And then he's the only guy with five. Everybody else has four. So Josh Allen, or I'm sorry, the Bills and Tyler Bass played one game fewer than most people on this list. And he's got by far the most field goals from less than 30 yards. Maybe they need to push the pedal down the floor a little bit. Maybe they need to say, we need the reps here. We don't need three points. We need to give our quarterback practice on fourth down in the red zone against a team whose ass we're already kicking anyway. Mm-hmm. Or, or whose t- ass we feel confident we will end up kicking. Okay. If it's, you know, first, the first quarter against Miami, maybe you don't need three points. Maybe you need your quarterback to get in the groove. Maybe you need to just go for it. And I'm not saying the first, that. The first quarter against Tennessee, when you, Buffalo scores a touchdown in either one of those drives, Nick, Buffalo wins the game. That's, that's a good point. I mean, I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the decisions they have made, all of them so far. Like maybe the situations they were in, maybe at that point it did make sense. Right. But if you're looking for somewhere to fix, if you got to get it going, you have had you have settled a lot this year. So just point that out when you drop that stat, though, about Tyler Bass, you know, inside, you know, the the the, the 30, it's, um, you know, obviously it's something you got to look into, too. Like, right. Like, what's the situation? I'm OK with them not going for around like fourth and eight. But mm-hmm. if it's fourth and one, fourth and two. Yeah, you're dumb to not go for it if you're going to settle for a field goal. Why settle for three points there? Why settle for three points again against a team like Tennessee? Sure. Why settle for three points against a team like Miami or Jacksonville or Washington uh, or hell or Houston? Fine. I mean, those are some bad football teams that, you know, you'll get points later on and and, and you'll be fine. Um, but against teams like Tampa and Tennessee and Kansas City, you can't settle for three points. And a lot of that's what got Buffalo into trouble. Um, um, Last year in the playoffs as well, they started settling for field goals again. Yeah. And you know what? That's actually a good point. So, we, you know, we were saying you can't sell for three against Kansas City. Maybe the Bills should have taken Tennessee a little bit more serious. Maybe you got, we got to say you can't sell for three against Tennessee. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, look, Tennessee's going to go about as far as Derrick Henry's going to take them. Right. They have good, good receivers. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have an elite quarterback. They have a good quarterback. I don't think. You know, I, I put Ryan Tannehill in, a, in an elite category. Maybe he's second tier, you know, third tier quarterback. Um, but at the same time, that team's going to go about as far as Derrick Henry's going to take him. Their defense is nothing to really, you know, worry about too much. Buffalo had no problem putting up 31 points against them. Josh Allen threw for 350 yards against them. That team's going to go about as far as the running game's going to take him. If they lose Derrick Henry, their season's done. Um. At the same time, though, you look at a team like Kansas City that's struggling. Buffalo did a fine job of taking advantage of that. And that's something they need to continue to do down the stretch. 
win the games you're supposed to win and find ways to win the games that no one thinks you're going to win. Kansas City was that was that game that no one thought Buffalo was going to come out and win, and they found a way to win it. Tennessee was a game I think people thought Buffalo was going to come in and win, and they they couldn't win. Yeah, you know. Um, but this this team needs to understand that while they're going to be playing some pretty bad opponents for the rest of the season, you know, or throughout most of the year now, they need to continue to stay humble and understand. Hey, we just beat Miami forty-two to nothing. We didn't just beat Kansas City forty-two to nothing. You know, we didn't just beat Tennessee 42 to nothing. You beat the Miami Dolphins. You beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, they need to stay humble and understand that just because you're beating up on these bad teams, all it's going to take is one good team to come along like Tennessee did and put you back in your place. And that, and you shouldn't be put back in your place come playoff time. That's not the time to, 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 to take a backseat at that point. Mm-hmm. So, um, at the end of the day, you know, if Buffalo continues to be aggressive, great. They need to be, they need to find ways to be aggressive in the red zone and they need to find ways to get points in the red zone. Cause that's the only way they're going to continue, uh, their dominance, like what they had last year. And then obviously the defense needs to pick up where they left off against, uh, Kansas city and not, uh, not play like they did against Tennessee. All right, Charlie, my last question for you. Let's assume that the rest of the season, we're just going to say it goes, it goes about the same as the first six games have gone. Maybe the Bills win the Super Bowl. Who knows? Maybe they don't. Don't get me too excited. Um, assume, you know, at, at this, at their current rate, and I know shouldn't be extrapolating weird things are going to happen in the future. What would you think are the Bills' biggest draft needs right now? What holes are you kind of frustrated with? What have they not addressed? What do they need to improve going forward? Well, I think I touched on it earlier, Nick. I think that's uh, the CB2 position. Levi Wallace wasn't really targeted much early on in the year, but, you know, no team has had a great passing game against Buffalo. Um, you know, with that, with that said – uh, Ryan Tannehill did a good job exposing uh, a little bit of what Levi Wallace does not do well, and that's you know being able to cover the middle of the field, get into the middle of the field. You know, a quick slant from AJ Brown, and he was wide open. You know, so at the end of the day, they need to find a way to address that and address that soon. Um, I have seen some things going around online saying that they have been keeping an eye on the cornerback market. I'll be curious to see what they end up doing there. If, if anything, um, you know, and I think the other position that they need to look at addressing, and I think it came to fruition again in the Miami game, I'm sorry, in the Tennessee game, uh, is finding ways to improve that front four. You know, they look good against, you know, Miami and Washington and Houston and, and Kansas City, great, but those are all teams with bad offensive lines. Tennessee's offensive line is not great. Again, like I said before, Ryan Taylor, 24 sacks already this year. And 24 sacks already this year coming into that game on Monday night football. And Buffalo got zero against Ryan Taylor. They also couldn't even get a sack once their uh, Pro Bowl offensive lineman went out. Yeah, that was disappointing. It, it was very sad. So find ways to bolster that top four. I think the only thing Buffalo needs to, needs to improve on at this point is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. The offense is fine. Let them keep rolling. You know, let Moss and Singletary figure it out as you keep going. But uh, 
find a way to improve that offense, the defense side of the ball. All right. That uh, is is about going to wrap it up here. I'm going to give you the floor, Charlie. You may now talk about the Atlanta Braves in the World Series. So, Nick, I was uh, I was not physically at the game. I was actually, as you know, as a visitor who who who, who came to Atlanta. We took you to the Battery, uh, which is just outside of the stadium. There, um, it was jam packed with, uh, I would say, thousands of people. How many thousands? I couldn't tell you, but thousands. Wow. A lot of people there. Um, I got at least three bottles of champagne like sprayed on me once Atlanta clinched a World Series berth, their first World Series berth since 1999. Uh, How would you compare this to a party in the plaza? Ooh, so it was a little bit crazier because I, 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 I've said this before to a lot of people. This town they're not a football town, Atlanta, you know, a lot of people in Atlanta are from elsewhere. Okay. But people come to Atlanta, myself included. I never lived in a city that had a professional baseball team. So when I moved here, you know, I more or less became all about the Braves at that point. Like I jumped on the Braves fairly quickly upon moving here, brought all my, got all my Braves gear, got my hats, my shirts, bought into the team fairly quickly as did my wife. Um, but with all that said, uh, everyone who seems to move here seems to do the same thing and continues to kind of just buy into the Braves and, and everyone seems to be Braves fans, no matter where they're from, you know? Um, so I would say compared to a party in the plaza, it was multiply party in the plaza times like five. Jeez. Uh, it was, it was pretty crazy on top of the. 40,000 people, 50,000 people inside the stadium, you know? Uh, so it was loud. It, it was loud. I think at one point we were all doing the chop chant and you could hear us on the TV. We were all outside and they weren't doing it inside. We were doing it outside. You could hear us on the TV from the outside yelling. And so, I mean, that's about how many people were there, but it's weird living in the town right now that has a team going to the respective championship game in their league, because, you know, something I've never, Sure, back in 99, I had the Sabres, but I don't remember too much about it. I'm sure you don't either, Nick. You know, I remember everyone being excited. I remember my dad and I remember my mom and dad putting me to bed and then going back to the neighbor's house to watch uh, one of the games. I can't remember which one it was. It's one of the Stanley Cup final games and leaving me home alone, which I don't suggest to ever do. Uh, <laughs> I have to talk to Angie about that one. Yeah, yeah. I think I would have, have a talk with them about that one. But, uh, you know, it, it's crazy. You can't get a Braves like sticker anywhere around here right now. Everything is sold out. Hmm. Shelves are bare with anything Atlanta Braves on it. Uh, Falcon stuff you could buy, Atlanta United stuff you can buy. But uh, people have bought into the Braves around here and it's crazy. And on top of all that, I found out some crazy stats going into this World Series, not just a World Series, Nick, between uh, two teams that used to be in the same division up until eight years ago when they moved Houston to the American league. Uh, but there's also a father and son rivalry in this world series. Uh, Brian Snicker, the manager for the Atlanta Braves. Um, his son is the pitching coach for the Houston uh, Astros, wow. which I thought was interesting. Uh, so his poor mother now has to worry about and, and, and Snit's wife, uh, 
has to worry about who is she going to root for um, on top of all of the excitement, um, as well as Dusty Baker, who is not, what, he's 75 years old? Uh, this is the oldest. The, this World Series is going to feature the two oldest managers at the time of the start of the World Series. Uh, Snit is sixty six, and um, and Dusty Baker is seventy five. So uh, wow, you you may at times catch one of them or both of them falling asleep at their old age. Mm. It's not uncommon for them to go to bed early. Wow. Uh, that's so that's Snit, so funny because the start of the year, you know, Aaron Boone, Jace Tangler, like these young managers. Yeah. It's the two old guys. All right. So, Charlie, I'm not going to lie to you. I Before the, the postseason started, I picked Houston to win it. Tell me why I'm wrong. I'll tell you why you're wrong. Um, have you watched – this Braves team. Did you watch any of the Dodger series, Nick? Um, I have not sat through a full game, but I've watched some of it. This is a team, right? Look at this Braves team. Look at everything that this Braves team has gone through. And I'm not only speaking right now as a fan. I'm speaking as as someone who who watches baseball, right? Look at everything that this Braves team has, has gone through. They lost their number one pitcher early on in the year to injury, right? They lost their best player, best outfielder in Acuna to injury. They lost Marcelo Zunia, who I, at this point I'm ready for them just to get rid of altogether, um, did hit some legal issues that he had. Yep. This team completely rebuilt their outfield at the trade deadline. Austin Riley pretty much had a prove me year with Atlanta and has been, you know, getting MVP chance in the stadium. Freddie Freeman at times has taken this team on his back on top of it. Eddie Rosario, who was, who was acquired at the trade deadline while injured has come in and completely livened up this entire Atlanta Braves team. I mean, these guys are just fun to watch altogether. You go back to games one and two, they win both those games in the ninth inning on walk-off hits. They're fun to watch. You you, you watch uh, game four. They get up early and they stay up. Um, Tyler Matzik definitely deserves a shout-out because that mm-hmm. guy um, in game six the other night comes in there with guys on second and third with no outs, throws three straight strikeouts, Start comes out, starts the eighth inning, and gets three guy three up, three down right away. Tyler Matzik has been, you know, a quiet, in my opinion, deserved a few votes for uh, NL MVP. Um, but for the, know, the series, for the series, yes, the series, okay, for the series, NLCS MVP. Um, but I totally understand why you're giving it to Eddie Rosario. He definitely deserved it. Um, but man, the, this is just a team that just won't go away. They're like that little, little mosquito, that little bug that just keeps biting at you. They won't go away and they're not just going to roll over and quit for anybody. I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't worried about Houston. Um, you know, Houston's a good team. They have to go to Houston to start this, start the series. They come back here for three. They got to go back to Houston to finish the series. 
Uh, I'm hoping they can wrap it up here so they don't have to go back to Houston. Um, you know, but this place is just, it's going berserk. Um, one more crazy stat for you, Nick, which I, I guess is kind of more of a, a fun fact. And uh, considering the fact that he passed away before the season started, I thought it was something uh, good to mention. Hank Aaron actually hired Brian Snicker um, back when Snick got started in the major leagues as a manager, right? Wow. Hank Aaron's best friend in baseball is Dusty Baker. Hmm. So Hank Aaron somehow finds his way back in to the World Series conversation uh, the same year that he passed away. And he did so much for the game of baseball. You know, he was a hero and a legend around here in Atlanta, lived here in Atlanta. Um, so definitely excited to, to, to see his name obviously continue to live on and just continue to bring excitement to the game of baseball. Um, but outside of that, man, go Braves. I hope our buddy Dan is uh, listening. I know he is very excited. We will have to get him on uh, win or lose and, and, and either talk talk to him through the excitement or, uh, you know, give him a line to, uh, to vent his anger and frustration. Um, you know, but if he hurts himself, he can go see our friends down at ethos performance rehab for all of his injury needs. Uh, just drive over from Rochester and go see, uh, see those guys at ethos. Uh, Nick, do you have anything else before we hang up and go? Cause I could literally sit here and talk about how excited I am for, uh, for the World Series start tomorrow, but I don't want to talk everyone's ear off. No, all I'm going to say is the Sabers are having an unbelievable start, which means that like the, that they're not totally embarrassing. They're currently in playoff position. I won't jinx it. We're going to talk way more about the Sabers on a future episode. Uh, if you're still listening to us here, you have sat through enough, and thank you for doing that. Check out Ethos Performance Rehab. They're great. Yes, they are great. Uh, you know, Doctor Matt's the man. Uh, but yes, Nick, the Buffalo Sabres have looked good. They did win again tonight against the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, and they won pretty decisively. Not not much of a game. Craig Anderson has looked surprisingly good for a 40-year-old goalie, uh, but we will definitely talk more Sabres later on. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the underscore process pod. Follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Veronica or myself at Chowit68. Um, go Bills, go Braves, go Sabres, and remember to always trust the process.